0: Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we don't hear your voice, O oh God, we ask you to speak to each of us then, here in the quietness of the heart. Amen. As we uh, prepare to dig a little more deeply into Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, I want to ask you to think about something this morning that will serve as sort of a metaphor for us today. I want you to think about a movie that you like to watch over and over again. Or perhaps, if you're not a movie watcher, think of a TV show that you can sit down with and pull up your streaming service that you like to watch over and over and you never get tired of seeing the reruns. Or if you're not one, if you don't own a television or a computer, you prefer to read, I want you to think about a beloved book that you've read, a book that you like to pick up, even if it's just once a year, and read it once again. Think of something that has a special place in your heart that you never tire of watching or reading or being exposed to over and over again. This is the thing. When we watch that movie or that TV show or read that book for that first time, We're often so caught up in figuring out what's going to happen next. We're caught up in the details of the plot, how things are going to work out. Then we get to the end, and when we know the ending and we say, wow, that was really good, we often want to go back and see how we got there. We may want to watch that movie again to see what we ignored maybe before or didn't see because we were so worried about how to get to the end. And the same with that book. Especially we see this with mystery novels. If you read a mystery novel or you watch an action thriller of some sort, you wonder where's the twist going to be and where are things going to change up. And then you get to the end and you say, well, how did it get there? And you go back and you watch again at some point. Well, moving into this reading of today uh, that from Paul, what we discover is that Paul is somebody who knew the story of Scripture. The Old Testament. What we have is our Old Testament now. Paul was exposed to that. He grew up hearing it, learning it. He was very well educated in the church and in the teachings of the church. He was very well educated. He had a lot of knowledge that was poured out into him. He knew the plot. He he followed the story. But then something changed. The end of the story came, the culmination of everything he had learned about the Messiah coming, salvation coming to the world. And even though he didn't know how it was going to play out, when he encountered, when he was Saul of Tarsus and he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, or rather, Jesus encountered him, a vision of great light a vision of great life that changed Paul's life forever and changed his name, when that moment, everything for him changed, and he knew the ending of the story he had been learning his whole life. Everything came together in Jesus Christ. And so now he knows the ending, and he can look back at all these things he's learned over, over his life, all these things that date back centuries about the God who created us and loved us and called us by name, and it all starts to make sense. Well, all of that starts to make sense, friends, And what Paul says to us in verses 1 and 2 about the cross of Jesus Christ being the end of the story that he had heard all of his life. Look with me again in verses 1 and 2. He's lovingly addressing his audience, the congregation in Corinth, when he says, When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul is saying all these things I've learned, all these all these philosophy debates I've been in, all of this theological training, all of these things that I learned growing up as a devout Jew and as a Roman citizen all of these things do not compare the lofty language that I've learned, the ways to talk and communicate, none of them compare to what we have in the cross of Jesus Christ. And when Paul is thinking about this and he's looking back over, he can absorb more of what he has studied over the years because he knows the ending of the story. He knows that Jesus Christ crucified is everything that he needs. And this is something he's trying to teach to a very intellectual, a very academic community. And Let me just be very clear. We need to study. We need to use the gifts of reason that God gave us. We need to dig more deeply theologically and philosophically into what we are studying and what we are learning. And at the same time, we must also forget the simplicity of the message, which is that Jesus Christ has come, Jesus Christ is risen, and he will come again. And everything for Paul and for us changes when we give our lives over to Christ and sacrifice as he gave his life so lovingly for us at the cross. And and, uh, Paul is really concerned because the people of Corinth really are not that different from the people of today. If you read, if you do a Google search of, of the condition of the church today and membership in the church, you're gonna get discouraged on the first few articles you come across pretty quickly. Because what we hear a lot in the news is about people leaving the church, people leaving their faith, people questioning their faith, questioning religious institutions, and drifting away from the church. And friends, that is happening very much so, but it's not that different from what was happening in Paul's day. Because in Indeed, people were drifting away from faith because they put more faith in their reason than they did in the person of Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying it is urgent for us. It was urgent for the Corinthians then. It's urgent for us today to ground our faith in the crucified Christ because our intellect won't save us, as Paul gives himself as an example. But we need an experience of transformation by God's spirit to to have all that we need. Look with me again in verses 3. 3-5. Paul says, I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. This is the same guy who spoke with confidence. This is a guy who's trained in all of of these matters of intellect, and he is fearful. He is saying, I am weak in light of the power of God, and so it is with us. He says in verse 4, my speech and proclamation, it's not about what I say with plausible words of wisdom, but a demonstration of the spirit and of power. Paul wants so desperately to to be that empty water bottle that we had at the children's sermon, so that God's Spirit can fill him. He doesn't want to for people to listen to who he is. He wants them to encounter. Who Jesus is with his words and that begins with an experience with the crucified Christ and he wants for the church to have that same experience the same uh, the same experience that he desires for us to have today so he sets that up for us and says this is what matters putting your faith in Jesus Christ crucified who rose again and who will come back again then he changes things up a little bit as we move into the second half of the passage and he makes a call to us that I think is still so terribly important today, and that is a call to maturity. Paul is reminding us that we can't remain little children forever. Yes, we love our children that come down for the children's messages, and we celebrate how God is working in their lives, and we also accept the reality that they are going to grow older, and their personalities are going to change, the way they interact changes, their knowledge is going to increase and such, and we have to keep, and we have to remember that in our spiritual lives, we're the same way. Yes, we are always children in God's eyes, and God always wants for us to come to him as children, but God God also wants for us to grow in our faith, to not just know bits of scripture verses here and there, but to know how those verses work together, to study and to learn about what he is teaching us, to dig more deeply into his words, and he's asking us to be a mature people. He wants to trust us with wisdom and insight and revelation, and yes, even his secrets. In verses 7 through 9, we see Paul say that we speak God's wisdom Secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. So, Jesus Christ coming into the earth, being born of Mary, being raised in Nazareth, becoming a carpenter, and, become, and, and getting a ragtag group of fishermen and tax collectors to follow with him, and, and then going to the cross and dying a criminal's death and rising as a, in a Messiah life, we see that Jesus has come, and this was all God's big secret for years. And now we've all been let in on this secret. But there are more secrets that God wants to reveal to us. And those secrets I use in the same sense as, as a synonym to the word wisdom and mystery today. God wants to give us Access to mysteries and in access into his revelation so that he can show us new things in his word and in the world around us. God is wanting for us to have access to these secrets, but he has to be able to trust us as mature Christians, the more mature we are, the more we, the, the, more in, the more we learn about him and the more time we spend with him and we have those experiences with him, he can trust us with the secrets and the mysteries. And here's an example of how that happens. And going back to the example of children. Years ago, I was pastoring another church and there was a lovely couple in the church that had a little boy that was three or four years old. Just like here, he would come down for the children's messages. And um, one Sunday he came down. Uh, to the front. And I asked, just like I do here, so but anybody do anything fun this week? You know, what, what what's, what's going on with you guys? And he immediately raised his hand and he said, I'm going to be a big brother. I'm going to have a baby brother or sister. And I looked over and I said, really wonderful. And the congregation lit up and I looked over at his parents and they were like this. They had told him, thinking that he could keep a secret at the age of three or four. And afterwards they said, We've been trying so hard to do this right and to tell him at the right time. And we wanted to tell him before we told everybody else. They thought all of this through. And they said, but we should never have given a secret to a three- or a four-year-old. And I said, well, this is the best secret we could have heard today. And, uh, and, and they were very careful about what they said to him after that. But it's the same way. I love our little brothers and sisters who are in children's church right now. But if one of us told them a secret, they would probably announce it down. Here. Here. And there's something about that that we just don't want to hold news in sometime, the secrets of God's word. And God does want for us to share the revelation we get, but just like the little ch- the, the children, you have to get to a certain age, you have to reach a certain age before you understand what it means to keep a secret, what it means to understand something, to understand a mystery, and God wants to be able to trust us with His secrets, with His wisdom, with the mysteries, that, with, with with new mysteries of life. But we have to we, we have to be mature. We can't just be a, a, a church that quotes one or two scriptures. We have to be a church that walks with Him, that learns from Him, that lives with Him, and that happens in our not just our personal study time, but in the ways that we grow together in groups. In the church, how we grow together in our relationships and in the ways that we learn from things outside of the church as well. And what Paul goes on to say as he as he continues on this, and he continues in verses 9, 7, 8, 9, and continuing, talking about maturity, talking about the secrets and the revelation. And this is the thing, friends, there, we, we hear the phrase a lot that there are some things we're not going to understand this side of heaven. There are some mysteries and questions that we're not going to have answered in this life, But when we stand face to face with Jesus, a lot of that will be revealed. Believe me, I've got a list of questions I want to ask Jesus one day about why my dog behaves the way that he does. I'm sure you've got similar questions about just everyday life and about bigger things as well that you want to ask Jesus about when that day comes. And some things we have to wait till glory land. But the truth is, and this is something I think is so important that we overlook in the church, God wants to reveal mysteries to us now. God wants to answer some of these questions that we have with his wisdom. The problem is we often go searching with our own intellect for those answers and we discard and we don't and we push aside Jesus Christ crucified. Jesus Christ crucified is the lens through which we must read everything. It's the foundation on which we must live our lives. And when we get caught up in our own intellect, when we get caught up in our own reason, and we forget about Jesus, that's when we find ourselves in trouble. It's relationship with him that transforms us. It's relationship with him that reveals those secrets. Because not only does God want for us to keep and safeguard his revelation and his secrets, God also wants to keep and safeguard us. When I use that word keeping, that's, I'm using the old Hebrew sense of that word where we, that we encounter in the Psalms. When the, uh, when the psalmist says, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. When you are kept, that's being guarded. That's being surrounded. That's being held by God Almighty. And he wants to hold us. He wants to teach us. He wants to reveal things to us as we look back over the scriptures and over our lives and over our world. And because we know what the ending is, friends, we don't have to fear the ending of this earthly life. We don't have to uh, wonder about the ending of God's story. We have the ending of the story. Christ is with us. He has been raised from the dead and we have all that we need in him. And so as we move into this week, I want for you to start dreaming with me a little bit. I invite you to start thinking about what we want for God to reveal to us as individuals and as a church, what are the questions that we have that we're not going to go on Facebook or Google and ask, but instead we're going to take those questions before God in prayer, knowing that the answers may not come in the time or in the way that we want or expect, but as we experience time with Jesus, as we look back, as we, th- as we re-read and reread his story, we re-watch and re-watch this greatest love story and greatest mystery of all time, then we will encounter him. And, and let us dare to dream and to ask for him to show us new things. And one of the ways in which we do that, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer over your family, over yourselves this week. If you look at verse 9 of today's passage, I love this verse for many reasons. Many of you are probably familiar with it. Um, it but it is not directly a quote from Scripture, it is sort of Isaiah 64, verse 4. But Paul has put his own spin on it. And that's what happens when we study God's word, friends. We learn it. We learn the words on the page. But then as we ask God to teach us more about them, it begins to take shape in our lives. We begin to see deeper revelations and deeper truths. And so Paul takes that scripture and then translates it for us in a new way, which is this in verse 9. No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived. What God has prepared for those who love Him. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart even conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. I want to encourage you to pray this over our church. Pray this over your family. Pray this over yourselves. Because what we are inviting God to do here is say, God, we want something we've never heard of, never seen before. Our heart can't even begin to think of it. That's what we want to see that you have in store for my family, for me, for, uh, for my community and my church. You can apply this to so many different ways. But what, we, what this is rooted in, friends, is that we can say this prayer. We can say it with all of our hearts because there's one requirement. There's one requirement to this prayer, and that is at the very end where it says, For those who love him. My guess is, if you're here today, you love the Lord your God with all your heart. And so I invite you to stand in that love and dare to ask him to give us his secrets, to keep his secrets with us, and to keep us in his secret place. As we grow, as we mature, as we learn, let us be the secret keepers through which God will reveal the greatest things that the world has seen. Let it be so to the glory of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Blessed three in one, now and forever. Amen.